Frank, I somehow convinced you to spend three hours on a Sunday afternoon with me. Sunday evening. I put it off and I put it off and I put it off and then finally you got me. You came over and we did some hardware hacking, James. That's kind of fun. Right up my alley. I think, um, did you threaten to do this on the show? I think you did. I think uh, about a month ago or so, I threatened to do this. And by threatened, I mean, uh, I said I got this <laughs> cool new thing and I wanted to do this. And the only person that I know that has a soldering iron is my good friend, Frank Krueger. So naturally, you were the prime suspect to help me implement this for free and uh, get a case of um, some Georgetown Brewery Bodhisattva out of the deal. Yeah, that was an unexpected treat, but you offered and I took it. I'm like, yes, I'm going to take free beer. <laughs> so I, I earned my way through. I got paid in beer. How long did it take us? Like two hours? We should talk about what we did, but we had a lot of fun. But I ended up soldering for a while and we ended up tearing apart a piece of plastic. That's how I remember it. <laughs> yeah, for all intents and purposes, that is what happened. Now, I, you know, don't come from a hardware back end uh, background where you do, obviously, as a electrical engineer, I'm a software engineer, we're both software engineers. But as far as our majors go, and I have had the bare minimum amount of electrical engineering in my life, I have soldered, but I've soldered stained glass. And that is very different soldering. Yeah. Um, I I remember uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to solder and I ended up in the plumbing soldering section and I didn't understand the difference. And I <laughs> I had like this giant heavy solder that you just could not melt with anything. I'm like, soldering's really hard. I, I had to learn that there were multiple kinds of soldering out there in the world. Now, I've never actually seen your uh, stained glass one, but that sounds fun. Did you enjoy it? Wait. I did enjoy this is in high school. So many, maybe grade school, middle school before that is a long, long time ago. My, my parents have it hung up, I think at their house and looking back, it's not a good look looking piece of glass and I no. they should probably just throw it away. I was like 12 at the time. So I could probably do a lot well, better now, but who knows? You know, I'm a terrible solder. Um, I have had the privilege of working with amazing technicians throughout my career. And I was always the nerdy engineer who gave them a paper drawing, walked away for a week, came back, and there was this gorgeous device sitting in front of me, like perfect solder points, perfectly constructed, and usually notes saying your circuit was terribly drawn. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so, um, And then um, uh, you actually don't do too much practical soldering um, in college because you're doing all your book learning. So we do a little bit in the labs, but it's not a good place to practice. So it's just taken me a very long time over the years to develop any skill at this stupid thing at all, because it is something you have to practice a lot. Well, you did a spectacular job. And uh, the one thing that I can do well, which is not necessarily soldering, but I can unscrew things. I can open up pieces of plastic and I can follow directions. So I sort of got us halfway there because what happened was about a year ago, I bought a old Game Boy Color. So here's the setup. I bought an old Game Boy Color because I like older pieces of Nintendo hardware. And, you know, the problem with this old hardware is that one, it's old. So if you were to buy something brand new in box, it's very, very expensive. They're very hard to find. So you got to buy one used and then you know, depending on who owned it or even if, you know, an adult owned it, you know, those screens just get scratched up. So the Game Boy Color that I own was cheap, but it was all scratched up and dinged up. So 
I found online, I don't know if it was on eBay or some other reseller website, you could buy a replacement case for the Game Boy Color. So the entirety of it, which is cool. So I bought this nice translucent orange, which I don't think was a color they ever came out with. As far as I know, I could be wrong. Don't quote me. So I thought that was one cool because who nowadays is building tooling for the Game Boy Color, like replica of the casing, like one to one. I just thought that that was one. Amazing. So explain this one more time. Um, Is this a modern company and a modern production run? Or is this some kind of leftover inventory from 1995 when this Game Boy Color came out? (laughs) No, this is a legit company that makes replica like Game Boy replacements. And they sort of one up it because they also put a glass screen on it. I think the original was a plastic screen. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Again, don't quote me. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you upgrade as so you spend 30 bucks, you get some plastic, $30 worth of plastic. And by $30, I mean $2 worth of plastic. Right. And <laughs> you open it up, you unscrew. You have to have a special try wing screwdriver, which I did not bring over to your house. And that was a mistake. No. And this is terrible. Um, Folks, if you've never heard of this, congrats, you're in the real world. I guess Nintendo, the manufacturer, which also has good manufacturing. We should talk about the internal design of this thing. But the external, they use these terrible little screw things that have only three slots in them. Like, who's ever seen that? Uh, I feel kind of dumb that I've literally never seen that. But this must be just I don't know. You think it's security? Are they just trying to keep kids from taking their Game Boy colors apart? I think it's just security. That's all it is. That's the cheapest form of um, piracy protection is change the screws. (laughs) You keep all the, uh, what, five-year-olds out? Because, I mean, you were doing a great job. Uh, You ended up using absolutely the wrong tool for the job, but with somehow magic finger angling and grunting and twisting, you got them to open up. I was like, hey, James, I got a power drill. I got a power drill, James. We can just drill through these things. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) And we were pretty close. I mean, that was almost what we did, but I got it open. And the reason that we needed to reopen it was because a year later, since I had replaced the outer shell, a company called Midwestern Embedding. And let me look. Was it Midwest (laughs) Embedded? They make one product show sponsor official sponsor of this podcast (laughs) mw-embedded.com they make one product based out of where they based out of iowa windsor heights iowa who knows who they are they apparently specialty is pcb design they made a single product ever called the game boy color replacement lcd module now this puppy just like the expensive outer shell is an expensive LCD, which is $65, but pretty much amazing. I pre-ordered it right away when it came out, came out. I got the second order. And what's beautiful is that this Frank is a beautiful LED backlit trans reflective 2.2 TFT LCD daylight visible with four X integer pixel scaling and eight brightness levels. Frank built right in. Ooh, with up to three hour of runtime on a 1900 milliamp battery. This thing is smooth and butter. And that's what I ordered. And that's what I had you help me integrate into this Game Boy Color. 
Now, you just called $65 for this custom-made computer screen a lot of money. This is crazy to me that a small shop um, would go through the, let's, let's just call it, effort of designing a PCB. Because just coming up with the actual circuit, doing the layout, that's a lot of work. Then, on top of it, they actually got it manufactured. On top of that, they had components installed to it and started to like, talk about it. I am in awe of any company that can manage to put any hardware out there. I have always wanted to make hardware devices, but every time I've even started to begin the process, I'm immediately thrown off just by... Well, all the costs, all the like work you have to do to find cheap manufacturing, all the compromises you have to make for cheap manufacturing. So James, $65 for that 4X integer pixel scaling, which sounds very simple, but whatever. <laughs> that sounds like a real steal. And uh, I, think, uh, I think that's a darn good design and good for this company for making custom hardware. That must have I, been so painful. I agree. I well, it is $65, and I do say it's expensive because nowadays we think that this is very expensive because we're buying huge TVs for so cheap, but these are mass scale. This is obviously not a mass scale Samsung company. And I will say uh, my last, last company, two companies ago, Seton, we built our own PCBs and we also did our own injection molding on our plastic and our metal. And this is why both of these pieces of technology, which has turned my $20 Game Boy into a $100 Game Boy at this point <laughs> is very impressive. Building tooling, not only for plastic and injection molding is extremely expensive, but just doing board designs and revs on a PCB uh, are also extremely expensive. If you have them done locally in the States, which is most likely what you're going to have to do um, when you're rapidly iterating on them, when you want to get a turnaround of a week or so, those can cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. Whereas if you want to go do a PCB rev and ship that off to China and get it back, you're looking at months lead times to get that done. Uh, this is from my knowledge of seven or eight years ago <laughs> when I was in the game or so of doing PCB board design and it can get very costly. So while I do say it is expensive, I, I think honestly, it's extremely impressive and I asked you, how much do you think they're making off of it? And what do you think that they're actually making off this thing? Oh, they're they're well into the negatives. I assume if you did the math, this is about negative $200 for each one of them. If you include design time and the amount of effort they had to put into it. So I hope they sell a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> and recoup some of that cost. But definitely your number one, what, you were number two in line? Yeah, you definitely mm -hmm. cost them money. Uh, yeah. Maybe number 100 in line. Maybe they'll start to make some money there. Oh, yeah. man, it's a tough world. I was just trying to think. Um, there's a really famous um, uh, uh, prototype PCB board maker that's online now, JLC uh, PCB. And it's funny because they are a Chinese manufacturer, but they try to do quick turnaround times anyway. And I'm curious if, like you said, your knowledge is six years out of date. I wonder if my knowledge is 20 years out of date. I wonder. Uh, I should just make a board and see how fast it is. We can do that for the show. Devote some show money to it. Frank's PC oh my board. <laughs> okay. All right. I feel like this is going to be a very... Um... Uh, expensive uh, project, but sure, whatever you want to do, Frank. That's why we have sponsors. In for a so penny, in for a pound, James. Okay. <laughs> thought you were going to get uh, out of this with just some beer, huh? <laughs> uh, I did. That's what I thought. Yeah, we'll say. So we opened the puppy up. Now, you, have you ever opened a Game Boy or some other 
you know i i don't know i don't think i've done a nintendo now i did have a modding thing for a game boy at one point but it was this really big red uh game cartridge that you stuck in the back of it and it let you put sd cards into it so uh you could put a lot of games onto one game boy and so i did that but i don't think i had to crack the puppy open to do that yeah and and usually as soon as you open the case you know you avoided your warranty but i honestly feel like this is when you buy something i feel like it's yours and you can do whatever (laughs) you if you want to ruin it you know by opening this and literally removing parts and replacing parts and soldering things on. I mean, I was like 50, 50, like Frank could just blow this up, but I wouldn't be mad at you because like, I don't know, like taking a risk, you know, but the payoff could be super sweet. So when you open it up, the beautiful, I mean, do you want to just talk about the board design that Nintendo has put together here? Well, I let's, let's just say they have a nice, simple design. You can tell that this is, a device designed for mass manufacturing that has to be put together in the right way and that has to be simple and reliable. So I think I was actually initially struck with um, how simple the insides are. There is a main control board and that is kind of right right below the main screen. So all the kind of smart parts of this device are jammed up there at the top behind the screen. And then the whole rest of it is basically just the um, input interface. So what do we have? Two buttons and a D-pad, select and start, something like that. Been a while. That was correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. No, that is 100% correct. <laughs> Nailed BA, it. I know my Nintendo. Uh, D- <laughs> D-pad, start, select. That's all you need. Yep. Is that still, um, wasn't there a patent or a copyright or a trademark on the D-pad? Is that over yet? Nintendo created the D-pad. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And... At this point, most likely it has gone past. Well, I don't no, know. I'm, curious. I'm not. Mm. Sh- I'm not sure if the D-pad, if you have to pay Nintendo license rights or not. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Either way, we didn't pay bills. <laughs> uh, so you open it up. Um, pretty standard circuit. The microprocessor is really small. We've gotten used to all that kind of stuff. But I think it was just a nice, tight design. The buttons, I was not overly impressed with. I was hoping for like good keyboard buttons. But instead, you have the very much toy manufacturer of a big rubber thing with a little piece of metal on it. And when you press down on the rubber thing, it short circuits to <laughs> leads on the board. This is classic. This is how all toys are made. But I was hoping like Nintendo would actually have like proper buttons and some kind of switching mechanism. But none of that. Nice and simple. Nice and simple for all of the buttons, all technically eight of them. So up, down, left, right, BA, start, select are exactly the same. So the little pieces of rubber, like you said, with little pieces of plastic that come out for the uh, D-pad and BA buttons. And what impressed me is that every bit of uh, the items that could pop out, so the D-pad could pop out, the rubber could pop out, the A and B buttons could pop out. The cool part when you said mass production is that I was like, oh, I'm going to have to memorize where the A button goes, where the B button goes. So I don't have to pull up a picture of it so I don't mess it up. But no, no, no. Nintendo designed it so that little piece of plastic can only fit correctly in one of the two places. Mm -hmm. Like it has different notches. So when someone puts them in, it can only go in one place. And I thought that was so cool um, that I knew that I wasn't going to mess it up where I feel like if I open up modern day items, which I haven't really done in a while, but I let's say if I open up my TV or something, I feel like I'm going to 
you know, I have to lay down every little piece exactly where I took it out so I could remember where to put it back in, where this one was very much like, oh, I could just splatter these pieces everywhere and I'd be just fine. Yeah, uh, you're really making me (laughs) uh, reminisce a bit here because I want everyone to imagine that once you had taken out those crazy screws with the tri-wing whatever on them, this thing just fell apart and just little pieces everywhere. It almost felt like a Lego set. I was I was kind of joking. I'm like, is this, you know, your first put together your own Game Boy? It's your DIY Game Boy because they could have sold it this way. It was easy enough to put together. And it was making me reminisce about like, I was thinking about the Apple remote and how would we ever open the Apple remote? Would we ever, ever be able to get it back together now? Modern electronics or at least Apple electronics are all squeezed together within a millimeter of their life, a quarter of a millimeter of their life. And they're just not easy to play with anymore. Whereas 90s technology is <laughs> it's super fun to learn from. I agree. I'm just looking at my stream deck that's here, my phones, any electronics on my desk. Like there's no screws like I don't <laughs> I don't even know how I could possibly open them without completely ripping them apart and destroying them where yeah you're right i unscrewed some stuff and it just all fell out and there i was i mean the beautiful part of this is there's two pieces of of plastic a front and the back they literally open off and then the entire board it's one piece the entire and a speaker but the entire (laughs) piece and the lcd which has a ribbon tape is attached there's two pieces inside three pieces the the three pieces actually the speaker, which is attached via cables. That one's a little janky. I think they could have done a better job there. But beyond that, the ribbon cable is attaching the LCD, which is flipped around uh, and the huge PCB board with just little places for batteries are there. And then boom, like we were off ready to hack. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, how do I take the LCD screen off? And you're just like, yeah, pop those little things off. You know, it's in on a ribbon cable. I pop off what's cool about this translucent case is I can see our work on it, which is fun. Yeah. You can, you pop off the pop it off and put in the new one and basically done in quotes, we'll say at that point. But, uh, I was amazed that I was like, wow, this is so cool that I just opened it up and now I'm literally replacing parts on a 20 year old piece of hardware. Like that blew my mind. Yeah. Thanks to someone, where'd you say in Idaho, <laughs> that spent probably a good year of their life designing that board for us because, yeah. lordy, yeah, that was, a, it was just a single ribbon cable connecting uh, the LCD screen, which is very common. Um, but it was pretty impressive that it was a totally different screen and they were able to keep the ribbon cable the same. That means they had to figure out everything about the old board and figure out exactly, make sure everything's terminated correctly. You know, these things don't work that easily. Take some artisanship to it. So I just want to make sure everyone's getting credit while we talk about how easy and simple all of this was, because we're standing on the shoulders of giants. But you alluded, um, so replacing the screen's pretty easy, but we had more work ahead of us. We had to do a lot of plastic cutting and a bit of soldering. Where do you want to start? Let's start with plastic cutting, because that's what we had to do first. Uh, Now... The cool part here is that since I ordered it, the geniuses um, have updated the instructions with some community help. So the thing with this um, LCD module is that it is a one-to-one replacement. It is about the same size. However, however they architected it, there's a few other ribbon cables that are in there because there's more 
you know, circuitry on this. And I believe they also want it to sit closer to the glass. So you have to cut out two bits. Like you have to make the inside frame a little bit bigger. So kind of imagine making a, cutting a square out of it a little bit bigger. Then on the inside, you have to sort of cut out a hinge. And I mean, this to me was a little bit of the harder part of it, to be honest. I know that probably the soldering was a little bit more tedious, but to me, this was trickier because we had like what, 14 different little cutters and we're like, you know, don't bend it too much. And like better, you know, you know, you know, cut a little bit off and then do this because you don't want to break the plastic. And that seemed to be like kind of the most tedious part of the whole process. I thought it was kind of the most fun part. I just love breaking plastic. I felt a little bad because you did have that clear plastic. So every time you cut it, it makes that like ugly look how it, it gets all foggy. It's not a pure plastic. It's not a pure crystal anymore. So mm. it's kind of sad. I was like, oh, I don't want to ruin this on James. And it's it's kind of annoying because we just had to cut off like an eighth of an inch, which is really, you know, you're more just whittling away. You don't actually get to cut or use a saw or anything big. You have to do it all tiny work. But I had fun. I had fun tearing apart your piece of plastic. I never do that kind of finishing work. I always just wrap things in electrical tape and call them done. So <laughs> it was fun. Um, and I, I, I'm curious if... Uh, we actually made an improvement upon the old Game Boy. Like, do you think this screen is actually closer to the glass than it was before? Or we were we just making room for stuff? I I think it is a little bit closer to the glass, but I, I can't quote it. I'd have to really see mm -hmm. a side by side comparison of it. But I have to sort of imagine that it is itself. Um, but the the cutout bit and piece of it in general, that's nice is that well, it sounds as if, oh, no, you have to cut out this big piece of plastic. You're going to see all this tedious, terrible workmanship <laughs> that Frank yeah. and James have done. That's not the case because the Game Boy, when you look at it, has a big black frame around it. So everything that we did is hidden 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, but I, I was already ready because I was already like, James, we're just going to paint it black. Anytime you do bad cutting or bad workmanship, just paint it black. No one will see it. <laughs> so that was going to be my excuse. And you're like, Frank, no need. We're going to cover it in black. So I'm like, perfect. So yeah, all our terrible workmanship. But actually, I think we did a pretty good job. I was pretty proud of us by the end for not having quite the right tools. <laughs> we were able to do a good template and make the screen bigger and squeeze it right on in there. Fit like a glove. Yeah, I think so. And the cool part is that the original instructions had a piece of paper that you would cut out as a template, but um, somebody provided a 3D printable cutout that you could trace and somebody has a 3D printer. <laughs> that was so that actually worked out really well. So we used a 3D print. Um, it was just a thin 3D print of a shape and we used that as the template for cutting out. And I wasn't sure how that was going to work out because we're cutting plastic and using a plastic template. Normally, you want your template to be sturdier than the thing that you're cutting. Um, but it ended up working out great, I think. Uh, I'm going to do this more 3D printed templates from now on. Cut up all my yeah. plastic. <laughs> when I saw that and once we figured out how to use it, I go, wow, that's really smart. Like they should include that with every one. But that said... You know, $65. dollars <laughs> $65. Yeah. And, and at this point, though, now they do say that all modifi modifications can be made with simple hand tools. And while I agree with what we've done so far, 
basically yes. And then we got to the let's bust out some soldering irons and some solder and take the tiniest, tiniest, <laughs> teeniest, itty bitty, tiny, they're so small you can't even see them. We lost so many little cables and solder from the LCD onto the Game Boy itself. And one was required and four were optional and we did all five. And by we, I mean you. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. We, we burnt your hands too. You, you played a pivotal role. <laughs> Let's talk about this wire for a minute. Um, if you're out there and you know anything about wires, this is like 36 or 38 gauge wire. It's ridiculous. You don't need that thin a wire. I don't know. Like, I wish I had kind of read further ahead in the instructions so I'd know how this whole thing was going to go together. I would not use such thin wire because it's such a pain to work with. You can barely hold it in your hands, and when you do, it bends immediately. If you drop it, it's gone forever. It just disappears into the ether. Uh, I've used this kind of wire before. We actually use it when prototyping circuits and a technique called wire wrapping. So soldering's fun and all that, but... If you actually want to quickly build a circuit, there was a technique developed in the 50s of how to use poles and this very thin wire and this little hand tool to literally just wrap the wire around the poles of the, uh, you know, like the, the ports, the little pokey parts of electronics. And you would just wrap them so tight that they would do um, a cold seal, uh, a cold weld to them and hold forever. Mm. It was an awesome, easy way to prototype that said you're not supposed to solder these wires they're too tiny <laughs> so this should have been not too hard of a soldering job but use these silly wires <laughs> but we did it and i, I kind of want you to talk about how this works because i don't really quite understand why specific i understand one was sort of needed for power and the other ones added this cool feature they were optional but it allows you to adjust the brightness of the screen by holding the select button and going up and down. And the instructions were like, take this part and solder it from here to this very tiny little hole over here and this to here. So I don't quite understand how you can randomly solder wires onto <laughs> a board that was made 20 years ago and then infuse new function. Like how does, I don't understand how electronics work, Frank, please explain. <laughs> Digital circuits, they're so they're so forgiving. You can do so many things with Let's start, James, with the circuit board. Um, because we were going through this last night. I was trying to tell you um why I was doing such a poor job soldering. I think I was trying to make up excuses and I was explaining how the circuit board's put together. You have your um base material, some kind of fiberglass, something doesn't really matter. You throw some copper on top of that, and you cut the copper out so it's just little wires. Great, that's a circuit. And then you cover the whole thing in something we call a solder mask. And that whole job of that, and that's the green part of a circuit board. And the whole point of that is to prevent other, um, other metal contacts from coming in contact with that circuit. So it's a safety thing. We don't want short circuits and we don't want things rubbing against these circuits. We want to protect them. So we put a solder mask on. So... If you want to change how electronics works, it's really not that hard. You can look very closely at the circuit board. You can see the copper wires. And if you have a good sharp knife, you can peel off that solder mask and you can cut wires or you can solder to wires 
or you can find junction points that are easier to solder to and things like that. So all we're doing is tapping into the existing circuit. And that works because you can always attach wires to wires. That's, Hmm. you know, just how it works. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, electronics. Oh, electronics. All right. So now what did we have? We had three buttons we had to figure out. We had up, down, and select. And yeah. So any button, you're basically going to need a wire for a signal to know whether the button is pressed or not. That's easy. So that, that was three wires we definitely had to solder. The trick here now is that voltages aren't absolute. They're always relative to something. So how can we tell if it's uh, zero volts or five volts? We can't tell. They're just, you know, it's, it's not an absolute system. Who knows what that voltage is? We need another voltage to compare it against. And that, James, is why we had the fourth wire, that VCC wire that uh, was in the circuit. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. One wire per switch or button switch, whatever, same difference. And then that one comparison wire. Easy. Got it. So for all intents and purposes, the wires are going to the buttons sort of hijack the buttons and they say, hey, when you know, send the signal that that these buttons are pressed and then do something when that's going on. And the VCC is a control that is helping with the power throttling. Yep. 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 And I won't even say hijack, though, more like piggyback, because we never interrupted the normal function of these buttons. We're just doing additional stuff where, you know, we're injecting ourselves into that method call. That's all it is. Uh, Now, we did have the option if we were crazy, we could have cut the old wire and then we would have had to do all the electronics involved with that button. But thank God this wasn't that big of a modification, (laughs) much simpler than that. Yeah. And we and you put in a ground, which that one was interesting because there's already a ground and you piggybacked a ground which already had solder on it. So you soldered some wires to already existing solder. Yeah. So the worst kind of soldering you can do to a circuit board, well, the absolute worst is where there's already solder masks. So the part that you want to tap into is covered. That's the worst because Mm -hmm. then you have to cut away that solder mask. And then you have to tap into that tiny little itty bitty wire because they're all so tiny when you make circuit boards like this. Uh, If you're lucky, there will be a via, those little circles that you saw. And those are fantastic because usually they don't put much solder mask around them. And so they're much easier to tap into. But the easiest one, James, is when there's already just a giant ball of solder where you want to connect to. (laughs) Then it's just a matter of melting down the old solder, shoving your wire in there and keeping the two things or three things all soldered together. And we did a little bit of all those on this project. Each one of the ports was a little bit different, had its own little unique challenge. But overall fun. You're going to run into that kind of stuff anytime you want to modify old electronics. Yeah, it was a fascinating things to watch from the sideline, which was me just in the sideline sitting there and watching this all sort of come together uh, on, again, this literally 21 year old piece of hardware. So it was released <laughs> in 1998 uh, and there are 120 million of these floating around, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought that overall it was super duper cool. And if you go onto the Wikipedia page, you can take a look at this. I mean, this puppy 
for all intents and purposes, what we were soldering was a uh, processor. It was a LR35902 from Sharp. It's an 8-bit Dialog oh, 980. I used that processor in college. I designed my senior project using that processor. Uh, you were asking me when we first started if I'd ever designed my own circuit boards. And that was the very first circuit board I designed was for that processor. Oh, that's fun. Full circle. Yeah. It uh, has an amazing processor speed of 8 megahertz. How, how many more megahertz do you need, honestly? Like, we can't even run 60 hertz video loops these days. That's 8 yeah. million times a second. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, this it truly does boggle my mind that, you know, this has a RAM size of 32 kilobytes, right? And right. I just think that it's so cool that you're right. I mean... This hardware that's in here, one, can play some amazing technologies, but I'm imagining if I'm a kid of a build your own system or modify your own system, like it's kind of right up the alley, get a little bit thicker wire gauge. But besides yeah. that, <laughs> I mean, Nintendo should sell these puppies. I would totally buy a whole kit that was build your own. You know, I think it'd be super duper cool. And chances are you're not going to break an old circuit board. But like you said, um, the best part of these old electronics is you can just go to Goodwill and get another one for $20 or $10 or it might be in the free bin by now. Who knows? Um, I Boy, I'm trying to inspire myself now. Now I just want to go to Goodwill and buy all the 90s electronics I can find and tear them apart and see what electronics I can get out of them. Boy, that was a fun project. I'm glad I'm glad you finally got me to do it. I was putting it off. I was like, oh, James is going to put me to work. And I should say we did do it. Now, I did get a little Gorilla Glue on the glass. So we had to oh, make a run to the store. Last minute uh, failure. We, we were doing so good, everyone. Um, we hadn't powered it up yet, though. So I, I cut to the chase. It worked the first time. Oh, my God. Goodness. Yeah. But as we were assembling it, managed to get a tiny bit of glue on the screen. It's like and then it just spread all over and ruined your beautiful glass screen. But yep. the Internet saved but us. The Internet saved us. You can use 100 percent. What is it? Uh, acetone. Nail polish. Rem- nail, acetone, polish nail polish remover. remover. Yep. Yes. And uh, turns out that tears through super glue like nothing. So yeah. that was the way to get that off the screen. I was worried if it would work at all. And then the moment you touched it, the super glue just vanished. So it was gone. Yeah, no, it's super duper good. This the the screen, I think, has a little bit of, you know, a little bit of residue from probably the that stuff still. But oh. that said, once you turn it on, since it's a backlit screen, you can't see any of it at all. And oh, it's good. It's brilliant, you know, because that's how it is, because the the LCD itself underneath is fine. And then, boom, it blasts it through and you don't see anything at all. So it's super good. Everything works perfect. Like you said, it works very first time. And I was I'm blown away. Everyone needs to own one of these if you have a Game Boy Color. And it's a fun little, you know, if you had a kid, I could imagine how fun this would be to open up a Game Boy and like, you know, I don't know. That'd be so cool. Yeah, I think you still need the programming environment, though. I'm such a programmer. I'm like, if, if I can't write software for it, I'm not interested in it. So I want your Game Boy, but I want to be able to write some really terrible games on it, too. I I wouldn't, you know, be shocked if somebody maybe had done that in the past. I don't know. I need to go look it up, to oh, be honest Oh, they definitely did. I've, I did it. That's why I had that SD card thing. Yeah, it's just It's been, that was, you know, 8 million moons ago. I think it's so old that... <laughs> not yeah. sure who's doing it anymore but yeah. um definitely do that so get the 20 dollar game boy get the eight million dollar screen and then the dev kit 
Yeah, you spend so much money on it that you might as well just build a whole brand new computer and build for that. But hey, you got a super sweet, you know, Game Boy Color with an LCD screen and a new case in your hand and it works. So I don't know. Super duper cool. Frank, thank you so much for doing it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, before we get out of here, I do want to do a little shout out, Frank. A little shout out. Ooh, what do you got? We have our uh, indie uh, of the month. Uh, this month, uh, we decided that once a month, we're going to do an indie showcase where any indie developer, you know, 50 bucks, get a little sponsorship read on Emerge Conflicts. We love the indie developers of the world. And uh, this one is one from our developer, uh, Michael. And Michael reached out. And uh, he said, hey, I want to sponsor with my brand new app called Aussie Weather. This is for all of our Aussies or Australians out there. Or if you're visiting Australia, if you're going down under to visit NDC Sydney, for instance, you need to download this app. It is a clean, simple, beautiful, accurate weather app for Australia. No ads, no fluff, just all of the beautiful weather that you need for anywhere in Australia at your fingertips. Built completely with Xamarin Forms with the .NET Core backing, it is completely free for capital cities or just $1.50 Australia, which is like 50 cents a month uh, for all cities and push notifications. And all of the data comes from the number one trusted place in Australia, the Bureau of Metrology, Meteorology. Good Lord. (laughs) All you got to do is go to AussieWeather.app or search Aussie Weather in the App Store. I did it myself. It's super cool. You get all sorts of cool, awesome stuff, including moon quarters and and, um, daylight savings time and all sorts of good stuff in there. So go download it today, AussieWeather.app. And thanks uh, for sponsoring this this one. And thank you for being awesome and listening to the pod. And we love all of you. If you're interested in doing an ad read yourself, you're an indie developer or small shop out there, go to mergeconflict.fm, tap on that sponsorship button up top, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. And it's a great looking app, too. I've been staring at the week forecast screen. Well composed. Good looking screen. It's a good screen. <laughs> I like it. Good screen. Yes. Go download it. Give it a go. And if you are going to modify your Game Boy Color, let us know. I tweeted out a bunch of photos of the before and after, well, the in process and the after. So I'll put that in the show notes for you to take a look at the beautiful Game Boy Color. And of course, all the links to where you can buy the good goodness in which I did this with Frank. And Frank, thank you again so much for being my electrical engineer guru. So that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.